you can see there in your bulletin, I kind of just titled the, uh, the message today from Joshua 5, if at first you don't succeed, dot, dot, uh, you know, dot there. Uh, how do you do that? If at first you don't succeed, how's the rest of that statement go? Try, try again. Now, you know, if you give any thought to that kind of statement at all for any length of time, you realize just how messed up that is, right? That's really not the best way to live. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Now, if you, guys, if you're like me, uh, once every two or three years when your wife sits down to watch a football game with you, and uh, they're on the goal line, your team, and they run it up the middle, and they're stuffed, and they go nowhere. Your wife leans over and says, well, why'd they run into all those people? <laughs> and uh, honey, it's, it's football. There's stuff going on you don't know about. It's just there, right? In the back of your mind, you're thinking, please, coach, do something else. What happens on second down? Right back up the middle. Third down, right back up the middle. We're going to kick a field goal on fourth down. You know, when it comes to football and basketball and these sorts of things, maybe there is some room for that. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But the higher the stakes go in life, the less that you would want to live like that. For instance, marriage. You really wouldn't want to live by that, right? If at first you don't succeed, just keep trying until you do. We laugh about that, but... You know, truth of the matter is, our church isn't exempt. Roughly half the population of the United States has trouble making marriage last. What about when it comes to rearing children and uh, seeing them grow in godliness and uh, how do you correct and how do you discipline and how do you get them to study and do their homework and not goof off at school and get kicked out and get suspended? And, and so when you're thinking about raising children, you just wouldn't want to say, oh, if you don't succeed, just keep trying at it. Just keep doing the same thing. What about with like when we launch rockets into space? If at first it doesn't succeed, try, try again. What about the multi-million dollar failure there is? The higher the stakes, the less you would want to live by that language. I think probably the way we would want to say it is this. If at first you don't succeed, find out what went wrong and fix it and then try again. And when we bring our attention to the text here in Joshua chapter 5, this is, uh, the children of Israel find themselves in the exact same position that the generation before them found themselves. Moses... God called Moses. You remember that? He's on the backside of the desert. And what happens to Moses? There's this bush that is burning, but it's not consumed. And Moses comes to the bush. The angel or the messenger of God meets Moses at the bush. And what does he say? Take off your shoes for your standing upon holy ground. What do we find at the latter part of this text? Joshua is in the presence of the angel of God. And he says, take off your shoes for where you're standing is holy ground. God takes Moses and says, I want you to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and across the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. And Moses is in such a hurry that before he goes down to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, God almost takes the life of his own son. Why? Because he wasn't circumcised. Moses goes down into Egypt. He finds the children of Israel. They circumcise them as a sign of Abraham, of faith and obedience and the covenant of God. And there come the children of Israel across the Red Sea. And what happens in verse number 1 of this very chapter? Instead of it being the Red Sea, it is now the Jordan River. And God leads the children of Israel across the Jordan River in verse number 1 of this chapter. 
You think back to that other generation. They were already have been circumcised. They were already a part of the covenant. God rolls back the Red Sea. The children of Israel walk across on dry ground and their enemy is now behind them and God drowns all of the enemy in the, uh, in the Red Sea. And now what is happening with this generation? They're not yet circumcised. They cross over the Jordan River and rather than their enemy being behind them, their enemy is in front of them. And rather than God taking care of it, through the water, God will take care of it at Jericho through the conquest of His land. What happened with the first generation? They crossed the Red Sea. They had circumcised. They, they, were, they were a part of the covenant people of God. They saw God do these mighty, wonderful miracles. And they get 11 days journey from taking the land that God had promised them. And they send the spies over and they say, we're not going to do it. We're fearful of those giants that are in the land. We would rather go back to Egypt. We would back to the elites and the onions and the slavery. We'd rather go back all of that. And, and they deny the promise of God. And rather than living by faith in obedience, they trust their own wicked hearts. And God takes those people and say, I'm going to make you wander in this wilderness for 40 years until you die. And I'm going to raise up your generation, your children and grandchildren, and I'm going to bring them across the Jordan River, and then I'm going to have them circumcised, and then I'm going to take them into the promised land and right here we are again. If at first you don't succeed, will you try, try again and fail? Or will you discover what the problem is and make the necessary changes and move on? And I think that every individual in this room, saved and lost, you find yourself at places in your life where you continue this cycle of doing wrong and confessing it and doing wrong and confessing it and you stay at it and stay at it and stay at it and sometimes you keep repeating the same sins and the same problems again and again and again and again. Today is the day in your life where you need to find out what is the problem. You need to make those necessary changes that you might walk in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Let me give you just three small points from the text today. Look back at verse number 1. And let's, let's read verse number 1. Now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites, that's the bad guys, all right, who were beyond the Jordan on the west, and all of the kings of the Canaanites, that's the bad guys, who were by the sea, they heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed and their hearts, that is the hearts of the bad guys, melted. Okay? And this isn't like an 80s song, I'll stop the world and melt with you, alright? It is, it is not a good thing to have your heart melted. Their hearts are fearful. The courage drains from their face. It says their hearts melted and there was no spirit in them any longer. Why? Because of the sons of Israel. Here's the very first point that I want us to get on track with today. If we want to stop the failure, if we want to stop the problem, if we don't want to commit the same mistakes and the same problems that those that came before us, the first thing that we have to realize is we need to be on God's side. Real quiet. That would have been a good place to say amen or something like that. Let me try that again. We need to be on God's side. Oh, my goodness. If I have to preach and say amen too, I'm getting overtime, all right? Now listen to me. Most of us in this room, what we want is to find out whether God's on our side. Isn't that it? You're living your life, 
and your life is the most important life. Your life is the life that counts, and it's really your world, and all the rest of us just live in it. That's the way you live. That's the way that I live. And what we really want to know, if we're honest, is, is God on my side? But that's not what the text says. In fact, if you drop down to verse number uh, 14 and 15, read this with me. Look at when uh, Joshua meets, the, uh, meets here the army of the Lord's host. It says here, verse 13, Now it came about when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with the sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went out and said to him, Are you for us or our adversaries? What is God's return answer to that? No. Rather, I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell down before him. Brothers and sisters, the issue at stake is not whether God is on your side or somebody else's side. The issue and the question for every person in this room in your life and my life is, am I on God's side? Am I involved in what the Lord wants me to be involved in? Am I, am I being faithful to Him? Am I walking with Him? Am I looking into the Scripture to see what the will of God is for my life? And am I doing what God wants? Am I on His side? Am I finding where God is at work in the world, whether it be in Portland, Oregon, or whether it be in Raleigh, North Carolina? Am I going to meet God and doing what He wants me to do with my life, the way that I raise my children, the way that I interact with my spouse, the way that I deal with my relationships, the way that I am at work? Am I on God's side? Let me tell you what happens when you find yourself on God's side. You see back in verse number 1, when you find yourself on God's side the hearts of your enemy will melt. And you know, if you were to read Joshua 1, 2, 3, and 4, what does God tell Joshua? I will be with you. I will be your God and you will be my people. And be strong and courageous. Do you see the irony here? That when you're on God's side, when you're seeking to live with Him and for Him and in Him, when you put yourself on the side of God, He gives you the strength. He gives you the grace. He gives you the courage to live life the way that it should be lived. And your enemies fall away. And your enemies are scared. And I just want to ask you that. In your life right now, are you on God's side? Surely most of us in this room would say, oh, of course I'm on God's side. Are you really? Or are you selfish and gossipy? Do you tell lies? Are you angry with people? You know where all of those sins come from? They come from a heart that wants to be on the throne. They come from a heart that says, not God's way, but my way. But when we choose to be on God's side, we say, okay, we're going to surrender our will, we're going to surrender our life, and we're going to find out what God is doing and we are going to join Him there. You want to stop making the mistakes that the people before us made? Join God and be on His side. So Steve, what does that, 
What does that look like? Why, why would that be important? The New Testament says that if God is for us, who can be against us? Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And for many of us in this room, hey, listen, just this morning, I, my heart was broken listening to one of our church members going through some very tough times. And there are many in this room today that are going through major struggles in life. And you come to a text like this and you say, do you really think that God would roll back a Red Sea for me? I just want to say, I, I want to say to all of us, we are not a part of Joshua's army in the Old Testament. We are not crossing over the Jordan and we are not about to take by force the conquest of the promised land. But may I say this? The Bible says in the New Testament that we wrestle, we war against not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. Do you know that the devil is real? That he is more than just some sort of horned being with a tail and a pitchfork? Do you know that the powers of darkness are at work right now in this room? There are lost people in here that need to be saved. Are you praying as a Christian? Are you coming to church? Are you living on God's side every day of your life? I wish I could turn my soul inside out for you and just let you know that what we do here is not just some sort of surface play. It's a matter of life and death every week. Are you on God's side? Or are you too worried about your own side? When you start wanting to be on what He's doing and walking with Him and making Him the King of your life, you'll find that the things in your life that you're holding on so tightly, you'll loosen up on those. Let me give you a second point from the text. I'm not going to walk all the way down through here. Uh, verse 2 through verse number 9 would be the next section. And uh, this is on circumcision. And so here is the, here's the point to be made, right? I have a uh, L. Wells Theological um, Dictionary in my office, about 700 pages, and I was thumbing through that thing this week looking for the, uh, looking for the, uh, uh, the, the passage on uh, circumcision. And in that 700-page volume, there is not one entry on circumcision. Those of you that are visiting with us today, just know that we don't talk about circumcision every week, all right? Every other week, but not, no, I'm just messing with you. But what we do is we deal with whatever the passage is that's before us. That's the way we understand the Bible. Verse 2 through verse number 9, the children of Israel now, they have crossed the uh, Jordan River and they're ready to go into the Canaan land. And I mean, they are ready for the conquest and everything is prepared. And God halts everything in verse 2 through verse number 9 and says, you're not going anywhere until you have been circumcised. Look at verse number 6 at their predecessors, those that came before. If at first you don't succeed, don't just try, try again. Understand what the problem was. Look at the problem in verse number 6. For the sons of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, that is the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished. Whenever you see the word because or so that or in order to in your Bible, it gives explanation, reason why. Why? Because they did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Maybe your translation says they were not obedient to God's Word. Or it might say they did not put their faith and trust in God. The history behind circumcision is that it was given to the Jew through Abraham as the sign of God's covenant that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And God gave this outward sign to always remind the children of Israel that they were to believe and trust in God with all of their heart and they were to follow by living in obedience 
And do you know what the Jews did? They did the same thing every Baptist church does. They made a God out of the sign instead of worshiping the God of the sign. They were so concerned with this practice instead of having their hearts cut. And that's what circumcision was really about. In fact, in the book of Deuteronomy and again in the new covenant of Jeremiah 33, God says to the children of Israel, stop making so much out of the sign and understand, I want your hearts to be cut. Not just the physical sign, but your hearts to be cut. Maybe I can put it this way. Here's the second point for you today. God wants our outward conformity to be driven by inward contrition. Let me say that again for you. God wants our outward conformity, what we do as believers outwardly, to be driven from a heart of contrition, brokenness. The Bible says in Psalm 51 that God is close to those who are of a broken and a contrite spirit. Let me see if I can just maybe illustrate this for us. Oh, Lord, help me. Hopefully I won't get too many emails on this tomorrow. So periodically, well, it's not here today because we have baptism, but like periodically in our church, we have, a, we have a little cross that we display sometimes, brass cross. Uh, nothing wrong with it. It's pretty. Um, sometimes put it up, sometimes no. But um, do you know that there are some people in certain churches, not this one, of course, never like this, but you know there are some people, if they ever take that cross out of the church, I'm out of here. That cross is everything to me. And they no more share the gospel in a week's time than anything else in the world. They no more have kindness and grace and forgiveness. In fact, some of those people are the same ones that will give you the stink eye if you cross them bad on a Sunday. That was my seat you sat in. Oh, Oh, Harry, wandering eye, you sat in my seat. Hold on to the sign of the cross and live like the devil. Shame on all of us if that's the way we are. And I could think of a thousand things in my life and you could think of a thousand things in your life that if you're holding on to the sign more than you are the God of the sign, something's wrong with your heart. It doesn't matter if something's pretty. That's wonderful. There's nothing wrong with decorating and doing all of that kind of thing. But God is concerned with your heart. The children of Israel, they come across, and if at first you don't succeed, their predecessors did not succeed. They were circumcised, and that circumcision was to point in their hearts that they were trusting and obedient to the God of the covenant of Abraham. But when the rubber met the road and it was time to go into the promised land, they did not trust God, and they were not obedient. And they died in the wilderness in their circumcision. God brings these people again a second time, and He says, hey, I'm giving you this sign. It's going to hurt. It is to cut you out from the world. It is to separate you by faith and obedience to me. I am the one that your heart should be toward. You know the sad thing about this story? The children of Israel failed again. They get to Jericho in the next chapter and their hearts are trusting God. They march around the city. God gives them a great victory. And do you know what happens a couple of days after that? A small little city they're supposed to take by the name of Ai. Really, 
A-I. They're annihilated at. Why? Because they didn't trust God. Now, one of my friends says this about, uh, I, I think this is so right. You know the only thing that Joshua and the Jews couldn't conquer in the promised land? Their hearts. And for many of us in this room, the one thing that you really can't conquer, you can make money and you, you, you've um, done pretty well with your family and you think that you're at a level place at life, but deep in your heart you know that there is wickedness, you know there are places and closets and things that you have going on that God is displeased with and you need to bring that to Him and allow Him to cut your heart and to be open before Him. Our outward conformity as believers should be driven by an inward contrition of being cut to the heart and allowing Christ to help us. I normally wouldn't do this, but take your Bible. Let me just show you something neat. Turn over to Colossians, the New Testament. If you keep turning to the right a whole bunch of books, you're going to come to it. You might come to this book called Galatians and then Ephesians, Philippians, and then Colossians chapter number 2. If you're struggling with that, it, the Bible is just like any other book. If you turn to the first few play pages, there's a uh, table of contents, an index chapter there. You can find where that is. The book of Colossians. C-O-L-O-S-S-I-A-N-S. -S -S Colossians. And then the big numbers are the chapters. All right. So chapter 2. You see, the outward sign of circumcision was never meant to make people righteous. The outward sign could not take care of the heart. Only the provision of a Messiah could only help our hearts. Let me show you this. The greatest circumcision of all is the death of Christ upon the cross. Look at chapter 2, verse 9, and I'll read to verse 13. For in Him, that is in Jesus, for in Him all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. And in Him you have been made complete. And He is the head over all the rule and authority. And in Him you were also circumcised with a circumcision uh, made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with Him through faith in the working of God who raised Him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, He made you alive together with Him, having forgiven us of all our transgressions. You want to succeed and be victorious in the Christian life? Get on God's side. You want to succeed in the Christian life? Have a broken and a contrite heart that looks to Jesus and says, You are my all in all, the Lord and Savior of my life. You both washed away my sins and I have committed myself to you. I will walk every day for you. And let me give you a third point. Flip back over to Joshua and we'll be finished. Uh, we have many points to make, but verse number 10 through verse number 15, you'll just notice maybe these, uh, these things popping out to you. So in verse number 10 and uh, following, you'll find that um, after the circumcision and they're healed and God takes away the reproach of Egypt upon them, you'll see that the first thing they did was to celebrate the Passover and the manna was taken away and they ate of the ground. And so why is that? The Passover is to worship of God who delivers people. And then did you notice that? That God takes the manna away from these people and now they actually have to work for a living. Uh, 
the uh, reading group that we have on Friday, we were discussing some of this. Isn't this interesting? Sometimes when we think about manna, we think about God's great provision. And it is God's great provision. But do you know who it was that God provided His divine provision for? People that were out of the will of God. Those that were wandering in the wilderness away from God. Picture of God's merciful grace to sinners that don't even deserve it. But there are people in this room, I would say, and in our hearts where we'd rather live out of the will of God and see periodic divine blessings than to walk in the way of God and it be strong effort with the help of the Spirit in your Christian life. There are people that come to church, this church, and they'll be here on Easter and their hearts will be blessed by all the music and the goodness of God and their souls will be filled up and they'll shake my hand at the door and say, Preacher, we'll be back next week. And I'll see them next Easter. Or you know when I'll see them? When their marriage falls apart. You know when else I see them? When they lose their job. And reading your Bible, being faithful, being around other people, being in a small group, going to Sunday school, church, read the Bible, pray, give, loving Jesus, just doing the basic works of the Christian life. Not preacher, I haven't been doing that. And you know what they'll do? They'll come back in. They'll start to get involved. The Lord will begin to bless. Things will open up. Their life will begin to change. They'll see a blessing. they get a job. Things start being put back together. And they'll say, ah, good blessing of God. And they'll fade away until the next crisis. Don't live your Christian life like that. That kind of roller coaster, it doesn't last. Just be faithful to Jesus every day of your life. Be obedient. Worship and obedience, they go together. Let me give you the third point. It's something like this. All true worship of God must be accompanied by obedience. All true worship of God. Did you notice verse 13 and 14? When Joshua does meet the captain of the Lord's host, what does he say? He, uh, first of all, he bows down to the ground, verse 13, and he says, what do you want your servant to do? Verse number 15, God says, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground, and he does. And what's the very next thing he says? Whatever you say to do, I'll do it. All worship must be accompanied by true heart obedience. In fact, let me just put it this way to you. You can obey, a God, you can obey God without worship. Worshiping Him. That would be legalism. I would not recommend that. Just wrote obedience without worship. But you can never, ever worship God without obeying Him. In fact, the test of whether you're a hypocrite or not is whether your worship on Sunday is accompanied by godly living and sharing the gospel during the week. All worship is accompanied by true obedience. And I just ask you to consider in your heart that thought for a moment. Are you obedient to the Lord? Let me tell you just maybe a couple of things that you could work on. Brothers and sisters, uh, we got some visitors here today. We're so thankful that you're here and we want you to hear truth, sing with us. We want to share the gospel with you. If you're saved and you need a place to worship, come join us. 
If you're lost and you want to know more about Jesus, talk with us. For all of our believers that are here today, right out there on that welcome desk on the way out is uh, the little cards to invite somebody to come to our Easter weekend, whether it's Good Friday service or the Easter egg hunt or the uh, service on Sunday. Please, dear Lord, when I walk out of this building, I don't want to see any more of them. Time is short. Easter will be here in two weeks. Take the cards. When you go to lunch today, leave them. Now, don't give like one person five cards, right? For heaven's sake, it's not that hard. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're, you know, so scared you don't like to talk to people, just throw it at them and run. I mean, don't do that. that. Oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Don't. You just see, give somebody a paper cut in the eyeball. It's terrible. We get sued. Don't do that. But just, just give them out. I'll, I'll say something else to you. I'll probably get another email on this. I've, I've been going to church. I've been going to church for the better part of 30 years. Not one time, not one time in 30 years have I ever missed a church service because of time, time change. What you make a priority in your life, you'll always do. Or you'll die trying. Now you're here today, so probably the people that aren't need to hear that. But <laughs> Just be faithful to church. Be faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to pray. Do you pray for your staff and pray for those that are teaching and your deacons? and Pray for your family. Listen, pray and pray and pray. I, I'm telling you, folks... The spirit that you feel here, the fact that God's with us. Oh, Lord, I see the time. Listen, the fact that God's, you think that just happens? by You think we just show up on Sunday and it's a good service? You're nuts if you think that. People are praying all week long. Pray for lost people. Pray for your family. Just pray. Be faithful to the little things. And when you come in here on Sundays... You'll worship better when your heart and life match up to what it is that's coming out of your mouth as you sing and as you give and as you go. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes just for a minute? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Hey, listen, if you're here today, um, if you're a believer, just, just pray. If you're, if you're an unbeliever here today, maybe you don't know Jesus, here's what I'll say to you. Uh, in a minute, we'll sing. We'll sing, stand and sing a song together. If you're interested in finding out more about Jesus, you can uh, come down here to the front. You can see me. Uh, we can talk after a, after the service is over. Um, right where you are, if you say, "Man, I, I really I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm tired of living on my own in this way." Hey, listen, God hears your prayers just as well as He does anybody else in this room. And just just pour your life out right there, just quietly. Say, "Lord, I." Not sure about all of this stuff, but I don't want to die and go to judgment. I want to trust Jesus, and I want you to be my Lord and Savior today. You do that right where you are, just quietly in your own mind. You come see me after the service. We'll help you. Hey, there's other believers in here in a minute. We're going to sing together. Maybe right there where you are. There's some of you need to say, yeah, I need to get on God's side. And I need to have my heart cut a little bit. And I need to be obedient in some areas and kind of get back, uh, get back at this thing a little bit. Maybe just let the Lord work in your life right there. Why don't you stand and sing with us this song?